Good afternoon, everybody. I can't see you at all now with these bright lights, but um, welcome to a first, I guess, because um, who in the room hands up listens to podcasts like a lot? Yeah, it's a real phenomenon, isn't it? There are lots of people out there doing some very interesting things in the podcast world. I don't think many of them have done it live like this. Do you, Michelle? I don't think so. No. So it's a bit of a first. So thanks for sticking around and hearing us do that. And, and just to prove that when we put this podcast out, you were there. Do you want to do a little cheer or something? That's it. That's it. Thank you. So you will get to uh, see that on the edited version. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, no, really appreciate that kind of participation. It's been a good day, I understand. Lots of uh, interesting concepts and lots of things that I think we're going to talk about. Um, now, um, when I spoke to Holly earlier on, she said about how did we meet? And actually, Michelle and I met on stage, didn't we, Michelle? We did, yeah. So Michelle was talking about engagement and the employee um, sense. And, and I was doing something, I can't even remember what it was now, about innovation or something like that but it was one of those talks where you had the slides that progressed and you had to keep up with the slides and the good news is Michelle did a much better job than me um, uh, so I know that when it comes to timing and responses I think <laughs> oh, you're in safe hands um, so so I'm going to be the host so if you know anything about um, podcasts the host should be the person who you hear from less so that's kind of I'm putting that marker down there for now um, uh, but also, I'm going to be responding to what Michelle's saying. We've talked about a few things that we think are really interesting for you and the world you're occupying in. Um, and we both identify as HR practitioners, don't we? We do. So um, if you're in HR, give me a little shout. Thank you. You're also on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, Michelle, apart from the fact that we met on stage um, uh, performing um, and I kind of stalked you a little bit afterwards and we, we have worked together, um, I'm really interested in the Michelle story. So kind of what got you here? So let's hear about that. Thank you. And thanks, Perry. Um, yes, I remember the, uh, the, the stage uh, antics at, uh, when we were presenting in the slideshow. I think mine actually technically went wrong to start Oof. with, so we had to overcome that. But anyway, um, what's my story? So I'm, I, I'm someone, I guess, who um, has always had a bit of an interest in people. Um, I didn't realise it probably when I was, was younger and growing up, um, but I think my early life experiences shaped that interest and shaped my sort of direction in, in where I find myself now. Um, I developed, uh, uh, like I said, a passion and an interest in people really because my early life experiences was uh, focused on being different. Yeah. So I grew up um, on the south coast of England. I have an Indian mother. I have a, an English white father. I was actually the ethnic minority right. at school and from a very early age was very, very aware of difference and just feeling like I was kind of a bit of an observer to, right. to what was going on around me and fascinated by how people interacted and the behaviors that they sort of demonstrated. That kind of stayed with me and I then went into uh, my um, academic uh, kind of focus and I, I studied social psychology. Again, you know, the people theme mm. coming through. Um, and then when I got to the end of that, I thought, what, what the hell do I do with this degree now? I didn't know what to do. And then HR sort of found me, really. And I was really, really keen to, to sort of take that and use that and, and do something with it. So I went into a, a career in HR and I started my HR career in rail. Yep. Um, so the rail industry, I spent most of my career in rail, actually. Really, really good grounding for me. Um, and just was able to kind of fulfill that kind of interest mm. in people and 
and um, try the different areas of HR and bring all of that knowledge and experience into what I, I did. Mm. Um, and then I, I kind of partway through decided, right, I'm going to go traveling. So I went traveling around the world. Um, again, one of, one of the, the most amazing experiences of my life, looking at different people, culture, that kind of similar theme coming through, came back, went into rail again. Yeah. And then about three years ago, decided actually the time is right for me to do something different, <laughs> want to do something with meaning. Yeah. And then the Children's Society came along oh. and uh, it's a charity and my first charity job. And it, it kind of brought to, together all of the things I'm really interested in about diversity and inclusion but with that HR generalist nice. um, focus as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess my perfect job, really. And, and I guess the uh, realisation of your interest in people gives you a sense of kind of validation in the pathway that you've got to. But, I mean, I know a lot of HR people who say, well, I didn't start in HR, and it sounds like you did. So there's an interesting alliance there. But but it's interesting how we love people watching, don't we? Yeah. Like, you know, we sit in a coffee shop or whatever, and we just wonder what's going on in people's lives. Where are they going? What's going on in their minds? I guess when we're in an organ organizational situation it feels much more like a duty of care though you're not just observing are you anymore you have a direct impact on how they experience work and their careers and so on I mean have, been, have there been any sort of real highlights for you in that where you could tell us a story about an individual or a group of people or something that you think left a real indelible good mark on people um I think probably Back in my rail times, um, there, we were working in partnership with Prince's Trust, actually. Okay. And that was around trying to create pathways for, for young people to get into work. Right. Um, and actually, I think what was happening at the time with what we were, what, what process we had in place was, it was just stalling. It was, it was getting to a point, we were doing, we were ticking the box on what we needed right. to do. Um, and, and there wasn't that sense of value. And actually... When you sort of step back and thought, well, actually, if you look at the whole system around it, you look at it's not just about providing this opportunity in, in terms of workplace experience. It's also thinking, well, do we link it to our workforce planning? Yeah. Do we create an, a, part, a talent pipeline? Mm -hmm. Do we um, how do we you know, ensure that our kind of recruitment practices are inclusive because actually they those young people might come from different backgrounds that, you know, our onboarding processes might might yeah. ordinarily screen out. Yeah. So looking at all of that. And when you started to look at it as a whole system, again, it's that step back, look at it, um, ta tackle all the diff different parts of the system and then create something that really works well for people. Yeah. The huge sense of pride that yeah. people had as being part of that programme yeah was phenomenal yeah. actually and it was just it was something that I just felt it, it kind of for me cemented the understanding of looking at HR as a system yeah and and not just you know okay I work in recruitment or I'm, yeah. I'm a generalist it's actually how does this all fit yeah. together yeah and as a self-confessed systems thinker I absolutely recognize that and, it, and it's almost like it's a maturity of perspective on things isn't it and so I guess we come into HR sometimes with an energy to make a difference yeah. and it's about channeling that isn't it have you got some examples and some thoughts where perhaps you've had a real aspiration you've had to bounce off it it hasn't quite yeah. gotten to the you know the level that you wanted it to and how you personally dealt with those kind of things yeah again I'll, I'll come back to rail yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um lots of experiences in, in rail as you can imagine it's an interesting environment to work in um but it was it was uh probably about four or five years ago 
And um, I worked for a rail operating company that were going through quite a lot of industrial relations. Um, I won't say the name, um, but it was causing a lot of uh, issue and, and right. problem for everybody around it. You know, whether you worked there, whether you commuted there, whether you were part of the media, you know, that was talking about it. It was just a difficult time. And I was sort of charged with improving employee engagement. Wow. And everybody looked at me at the time and just said, you've got yeah. no chance. Yeah. You've got no, th th there's just no way yeah. that you're going to create any sort yeah. of change here. Yeah. I'm not going to listen. So I, I, and you know, you sort of think, you question yourself. Yeah, sure. Can I do this? Yeah. And I thought, you know what? No, I can do this. Right. I can do this. I can, because actually it's, it's important for people. They're having a pretty yeah. shocking experience at yeah. the moment. Yeah. They are committed. They are wanting to work here. Let's yeah. find a way mm. to connect with them mm. and to understand what's going to make a difference and mm. what's going to make you feel more mm. um, happy and, uh, I guess, thrive at work. And so I kept going with it. Right. Um, what I did and what I learned very quickly was to go where the energy is. Okay. So right. find those pockets of yeah. people that really understood what yeah. I was saying, really saw the benefit in it, give the time and space, yeah. encourage yeah. help support and just grow that kind of movement i suppose sure. create that internal movement mm. um and yeah and then, um, and that's what we did and, mm. and the result was um a 30 percent increase in engagement oh. over two years yeah. um with the backdrop of quite yeah. extreme industrial relations yeah. so yeah that was that was hard <laughs> yeah but i was very proud of that yeah they might try and get you back now <laughs> but the challenge might be a slightly different yeah. one i i suspect <laughs> so so choosing hr working in an environment where you know you can make a difference there are challenges as you said and there are times when you question yourself and you you look to yourself for inspiration i guess and then you uh, admitted that actually sometimes there are pockets of people with energy that just are waiting to be kind of unleashed. And that leads me on to the essence of talent. Now, I've been in HR long enough to know that there are some tools and some approaches in talent that talk about high potentials. Mm. And there's a lot of focus on the sort of future leadership pipeline and these people who seem to sort of show up in a particular way. Uh, but I know you have a different view on talent, particularly and about inclusivity. So, so some of the philosophy, perhaps, of, of, of how you see talent and would like to see talent and are working in a talent environment might be pretty useful to unpack. So if you've got any thoughts on how you see talent, what you really want it to do, you know, given a mandate to press whatever buttons you needed, what would you do? I think, again, there's lots of aspects to it. I think my approach around talent is, again, not looking in just one particular area or one particular framework that you think is going to generate yeah. knowledge and an understanding and, a, and a, an enablement for people yeah. to progress. It's looking at the whole um, whole yeah. experience. Yeah. So for me, that's what I call the people experience framework. It's right. something that I've been developing for a number of years. It's mm. something that I very much... Um, and uh, I'm using in my current uh, work at mm. the, the Children's Society. And that's about looking at, again, how do you connect to each individual, yep. recognizing that each individual is different. I, I talked about different, I was yeah. from a very young age, very aware of difference. Yeah. And actually, I think that's kind of helped me think about that and think, yeah. well, there are going to be things that appeal to me yeah. that are going to be different to someone else. Yeah. So why should that why should that be different in a work sense? Yeah. And actually, are we missing out on key mm. people and yeah. skills and and you know, 
you know, whatever they can bring to, to the table because we're not thinking about it in that holistic way. Yeah. So, yeah, so for me, it's it's looking at every part of that system. Yeah. It's it's creating the conditions that mean that we might appeal to someone, and you know, that, that's needing to just know what, what, how, what is it that I'm here to do? Yeah. What's the work that I, you know, I'm delivering that's delivering to the, to the end goal of our organization? That's yeah. what I really need to know. Yeah, yeah. It might be someone that does want to really progress yeah. or value development, yeah. uh, but wants to know what those pathways are. And they might not be linear. They yeah. might be, well, I want to just get a little bit of experience yeah. over here. Or, you know, let me understand some skills that, mm. that's going on over here. So it's it's kind of yeah. from a leadership perspective, it's helping leaders recognize that there may be different ways of identifying yeah. talent. Yeah. Um, also about how you feel valued. For some people, it might be, well, I just want to be able to bring my ideas, yeah. actually. I've got um, different ideas or I'm really passionate about this subject yeah. and I want to bring that to yeah. the table. If I've got the opportunity to do that, then I'm getting the kind of exposure or I'm getting the opportunity to to really learn and grow with right. what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, or it might just be having a voice. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I want to be able to have a say in what's yeah. important to me. Yeah. And actually, you know, that might yeah. be with my manager, that might be with a distinct piece of work that we're doing, yep. but I want those opportunities. Yep. So I think talent, unlocking talent yep. is about understanding the whole and, yep. and thinking everybody's different. So it's going to be different yep. for different people. Yeah. That said, I, I will say there's, there is a need, there's a constant pull for framework. Right. And so what we're finding, particularly in the children's society, and I don't know if any of you are working in charities um and this is my first charity job i think something about having a bit of structure yeah. to understand well right. how do we start to sure. facilitate that knowledge and that awareness yeah. is helpful yeah. and yes you might revert to a nine box model yeah. of sorts you yeah. can't seem to get away from it yeah. but it's about just trying to find the way to start to think well yeah. how do we need to think about our people yeah. where where do we need to nurture no. where do we need to create those sure. right conditions yeah. Actually, is this a type of organization where we might get a transient movement of yeah. people? That's fine. Yeah. What's our talent pipeline then? Where are we going to go for, for future talent? Nice. And I think what I really liked about that is people finding where they are within yeah. that, right? And I yeah. think there is something about work that really intrigues me in that there are a lot of people out there who absolutely don't quite know yet what their potential is. Mm -hmm. It's kind of difficult sometimes to spot in yourself. I mean, I've been in the position where I've had somebody say to me that they can see something in me and I, I've kind of disbelieved it for a bit, but it's turned out to be true. And so I've sort of passed that on and paid that forward. Mm -hmm. Sometimes other people can go, I see you can handle crisis, risk, and challenge. Let's see where that goes. Now, one of the things I know probably didn't help us in the past in HR was the career pathway always seemed to be about an up ladder, right? That's what it always seemed to be. But I know people who said, but I don't want to do that, you know, and sort of excluded themselves from it. Are you seeing a shift that it's a little bit more diversified and perhaps lateral and diagonal and specialisms? Are you seeing that? I think it's all of that, actually. Right. And I think that's what's creating a challenge okay. because I think there's still very much that mindset of that vertical progression. Oh, yeah. I find myself saying quite a lot, it's not just about yeah. moving up. It's actually, it might be over here or it might be over there. It's, it's you know, we need to, we need to think differently mm. about that. Mm. But I think the challenge is, is that you have um, multiple generations that have got yep. different ideas about what that means. Yep. And to respond to that, 
is hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. Um, but you also need to have some sensibility around your organisation and what that means in terms yeah. of internal movement. Yeah. Again, at the Children's Society, we're trying to start to create that knowledge and okay. that understanding yeah. so that we can know what those career right. pathways may be. Right. Um, but you're quite right. You mm. know, often as well, it's a conversation, isn't mm. it? And it's yeah. a you know, an ability to sort of just have a chat and understand that yeah. actually, you know, what you demonstrated there was really, really good. Yeah. And sometimes that unlocks something. Yeah. And again, it's helping yeah. the organization feel comfortable in being able yeah. to have those conversations as well. So I think it's very complex. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's part, part of some of the challenge that we've got coming yeah. up, especially yeah. when we look around, you know, the challenges that we have in, mm. in the, uh, trying to bring people in the labor market is really crunched mm -hmm. uh yep. you know we're losing people you know mm. actually we need to think about how we're mm. going to keep people and yeah. and and talent development has got to be a part of that yeah i've got a question on that i'll come back to but um you might know tony shea the late tony shea who founded zappos he talked about organizations needing to be more like a city mm. so not so structured that it's absolutely predictable and it does exclude by nature but almost like a city that grows and communities build and people find their way and i'm hearing a lot of that through through what you're saying i like the fact that it gives people that sense of agency but then this is my question. So you talked about challenges of now, labor market, expectations. We hear about great resignation. We hear about quiet quitting. We have a lot of terminology that actually says it's difficult to hire in the first place. Yeah. So maybe tell us a little bit about that, both in the acquisition sense and then everything that follows afterwards. I mean, yeah, I, th I, th I think everyone will be feeling how hard it is to recruit at the moment and again in the charity sector um that's also it's also a worry because we don't have an endless supply of resource in terms of yeah. finance yeah. um we need to be delivering what we're delivering because it's important for our beneficiaries you know that's that's what we're here to do so i think the recruitment challenge is a real one i think we have to think differently actually and but it's going to be quite scary to do mm -hmm. that thinking differently means coming back to that people experience that yeah. I was talking about around, yeah. well, how do we create the right conditions that mean that people will want to stay? Yeah. And I think that's the flip. Mm. But yeah. that's, that's quite a brave place to step mm. into because the natural reaction is, I need to recruit, mm. I need to up the salary, yeah. I need to be competitive, yeah. I need, I need. But we're just all fighting in the same pot. And actually, yeah. we've got to look at that and think, actually, we need to be mm. slightly different. It's coming back to... Yeah. How do we keep people? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, and we're, mm. we're facing that challenge. Mm. And we might call that like the employee value proposition yeah, or something like yeah. that. Uh, and I've seen some research from um, the Confederation of British Industries that's looked at purposeful businesses. So ones that can demonstrate something beyond profit and played right in the way you're talking about. There is a strong retention mechanism there, but there's also a link to performance. Yeah. So there is something in what you're saying about taking it back to why am I here and what do I want this to be that perhaps we haven't channeled as well as we could. What do you think gets in the way of HR and people and managers and people and teams really sort of going down that route? What do you think is stopping it from happening? We, we know it's what we should be doing. I think there's a couple of things. I think um, partly I think it's, as I was saying, it's about being brave yeah, okay. and stepping into a different sort of space. And yeah. I think within HR, we've got 
trusted and reliable systems and processes that we use and that we sort of fall back on. And sometimes it's quite scary to move away from that. Um, I think as well, there's just at the moment, there's a lot of pressures around. um, And and, and I think, you know, the line manager, as always, has an important role in all of this. And are we giving, are we truly giving enough time to those all important line managers that do a lot of that work right yeah. on the ground with us. And I think, again, um, that, you know, that, that kind of bravery to step yeah. into that space might yeah. get in the way. Sure. Um, I think for HR, we need to, to, we need to really think differently about what we do yeah. and how we're doing it. Yeah. And I think the, the models that we've been working towards have been reliable, but actually the work, the modern workplace is very yeah. different now. And we've got to yeah. really maneuver with that. Um, yeah. And we've got a role to play in that because, you know, certainly from a charitable organisation, as I said, yeah. we're here to 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 really support the, from my in my perspective, the children, and the young people that yeah. we are trying to create a better yeah. future for. And actually, if we're not doing this, mm-hmm. we're not getting us working cohesively in that yeah. way. We're not delivering yeah. that end goal. But it's it's difficult. And yeah. I think the other thing for me as as well is how we work now makes right. a difference. Okay. Um, I'm sure many, many people in the audience are thinking about, you know, well, it's hybrid working is quite a big Mm -hmm. thing. And, you know, you might have different type categories of workers, depending on what they do. So it's Mm -hmm. not just you're all hybrid or it's complex. Mm. Um, but hybrid brings another set of challenges because when you're working remotely on your own, it's very intense and you're in this little world of your own and it's, it feels very, very pressured. And then when you come back into the workplace, you're back into the relational space, which is great, but it, the transition between yeah. those two can be really challenging. Yeah. And I think we're still trying to navigate that. And that also then sure. almost becomes another part of the workload. And I guess the, the, the intensity you talked about in the remote operating way also comes with a, does anybody kind of notice me? Yeah. Am, I, am I going to get spotted for my talent? And then we might see a, a reaction, which is where people, when they do get the chance to be in amongst their colleagues, kind of show off a bit and, you know, kind of, look, here I am. I'm really talented. Pick me for a project. We don't want to get into that, do we? It's not like picking the netball team in the playground. It's not that kind of thing. So how, how do you think we can help people appreciate the value they're creating and, and spot that talent still in those disparate circumstances? I think that's something that we're still trying to get yeah. to grips with. So I'm thinking at the moment to an example um, that in my, my current uh, role uh, last year when we were going through quite a significant organizational change we were reimagining how we were operating and for the first time in my career I had to do that had to lead change virtually and uh, what I found with that is to kind of replicate and and create those mechanisms where you give people time and space to bring their voice to feel that they can they they understand they understand how this is impacting me it's quite hard yeah it's quite intense you have to you know do it virtually It, it it means that you've got um, lots of people potentially on a screen and then yeah. exactly what you're saying, the louder voices tend yeah. to get heard. Sure. But then in get, you know, being the louder voices, then you might create a bit of an image about mm. what they are and, sure. so, and not see the whole person. Yeah. So that kind of experience for me um, was very hard actually, yeah. but it taught me quite a bit. Mm. Um, and I think there's something about and I don't think any of us have got it yet, no. is how do we create those spaces where we can come together or get to know each yeah. other or learn about each other yeah. that 
I don't know that yeah that 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 flexes with the way that we flex in our work life now. Yeah. I don't think we've got that yet. No, and you touched on a very important relationship, which is line managers. And of course, one of the things I think we're seeing now is that that line manager doesn't have like custody of that person all the time because work isn't that tidy anymore. And, and they may be on projects. They may be working with another team in a sort of matrix fashion. So for the individual, it's almost like, well, who do I go to to help me understand benchmarking and my level of capability and where I should go next. Uh, are, you, are you starting to address that? Are you seeing ways that you can deal with that movement and flexibility? Yeah. So, so um, again, what we're focusing on for um, the children's society is, uh, again, giving line managers some time and space, even though I'm sure they'll probably say we haven't got any time yeah. and space, to, to have just an opportunity to learn. Yeah. So learning right. is really important. Yeah. But also just to, to help them feel that you don't have to be perfect all the time. No. You're going to make mistakes. Sure. That's fine. We're working in a new way. Yeah. Let's let we're, we're learning this together. We yeah. talk a lot and, I'm, and I know a lot of organizations will do about test and learn. Test and we and learn. we're really trying yeah. to do that test right. and learn approach. Right. But the the um, line management population just needs to be loved a little bit, I think. Yep. And so we're trying to give a little bit of that care and that compassion around. Yep. We're going to really invest in yep. you. Um, because then when you feel that you are and you understand what your role is in that mm. and how you might navigate this different way of working, yeah. then you can start to have those yeah. conversations because they're the ones that are going to have those sure. conversations it's, and it still comes to conversations. Yeah. I don't yeah. see how else you can do no. it. No, very true. And I suppose it's recognising those conversations as part of that process you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. I do hear it a lot that people say, well, nobody's appraised me because they haven't had that sit down at the middle of the year where they've got a piece of paper or a form they've filled in and a number rating. They're sort of ignoring all of those exchanges. So there's something about activating yeah. that, isn't there? And I know that when we talk about people experience, it really is about moments, isn't it? Feedback moments yeah. and review moments. So I think there is something about how do we like enable people to recognize those and play stronger in them yeah. perhaps, um, which, which took me to something you were talking about earlier on actually about the nature of work and the sort of pace and intensity and all those sort of pressures that we're up against. It feels difficult to carve out the time. You said managers for sure. Yeah. I think we'd all say, I really want to, but like I'm full stack. Yeah. I haven't got any capacity. I mean, I don't expect you to have an answer to that, but just thoughts on those things like pace and pressure. Yeah, so so I was thinking earlier, I think there's there's three things that kind of seem to govern me a lot at the moment, and that's right. pace. And the pace yeah. is around um, the organisation wanting you to respond and, and work faster than yeah, right. perhaps what you are able to do. Yeah. And that's because I think there's, there's uh, a much more awareness or yep. why aren't we doing this? Or, yep. And there's, the, there's that kind of drive that's going on. There's the pressure. So there's pressure from the external world around us. Yeah. What's going on in terms of the economy and the yeah. labor market. Wow, yeah. Those things that are really, really coming down on you. And you know, again, combined with that pace, you've, you've got to somehow respond. But actually what you want to do is, un is fully understand it to know that when your response is going to, it's going to hit. It's going to be yeah. the thing that actually is all yeah. things that are right for, yeah. for what you're talking about within your organization. Yeah. And then the third element is that prioritization. Yeah. How do you um, prioritize all of those things? Because yeah. it just comes at you yeah. in so many different ways. So I think I haven't got the answer no, <laughs> yet. No. 
But I think having an awareness of uh-huh. it is probably quite important. And to recognize that you are certainly as an HR practitioner dealing yep. with yep. a different um, mode of work than, yep. than what was. Yep. And yes, things are moving again, sure. but it's always going to be moving. And so it's that resilience and that kind of mm. adaptability mm. and that mm. that flexibility that we we mm. have to kind of get comfortable with. And, yeah. And and that, I think, is a very sensible way to think about decompression from some of that intensity. So I absolutely get what you mean by that. So just when you think, I haven't got the capacity, you've got to try and create a little slither or something, haven't you? Thinking space is quite rare, isn't it? And as you say, the conversational stuff is where a lot of this happens. And we shouldn't talk ourselves out of those and think that's not work. It is. Um, Now, I've I've been doing some research on talent, not just for this, but just because why not, right? And uh, Mercer did some research globally about 300,000 people surveyed and lots and lots of companies apparently 98% of those companies surveyed said there's a skills shortage that should ring alarm bells shouldn't it because all the things you're talking about are mitigating against a skill shortage or never even getting into that trap I mean, I'm not expecting you to, again, give us a kind of silver bullet on this one, but but skills shortages where you are now, I mean, how are you sort of feeling those and what are your plans and tactics and emergent thinking about closing skills gaps, I suppose? I think, again, it's exactly that. It's emergent. (laughs) It's an emergent approach. Um, The the particular area that's jumping out for me, which I know most people will will kind of probably recognise is around digital skills and capabilities. That's definitely something that is a struggle. Um, And I think also because of the market pressures that are making it a struggle. Yeah. I think um, there's there's something as well around... uh, nurturing and using the frameworks that you might have in place yep. to help bring um, the opportunity for learning sure. and growth so for yeah. instance we are uh, particularly utilizing the apprenticeship levy okay um to to really help support right. um up and coming future leaders and managers yeah, again recognizing so we've done some analysis around mm. um our kind of pay gaps and, and we yeah. don't just do gender we do diversity pay gap right. reporting actually right. and what we can see is that kind of when we talked about mm. vertical but that progression mm-hmm. is is just it's yeah. just not happening okay. it's there's a there's it's just stuck so actually what can we do mm-hmm. to sort of enable people mm. to start thinking about mm. that for the future? So that's one mm. area. Mm. But then also how, where we, where we might target future sure. talent and yeah. thinking differently about bringing, you know, different parts of the, the emerging labour market in. Yeah. And right. that's very much around early careers, mm. I think. So that's an important part yeah. of, of the makeup at the Children's Society now is yeah. to really think, well, how do we do that? How yeah. do we start to, yeah. to generate that support? Um, yeah. But we're also seeing it as well from our volunteer base. Right. Um, I'm responsible for volunteers as well. And, you know, the pandemic hit us hard with mm. our volunteers. Mm. And actually, how do we, how do we connect with people and, mm. and really help them to sort of want to come and work, yeah. Yeah, come and volunteer for yeah. us? Because that also could be a future sure. work yeah. person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, I think it's it's having to think differently about mm. all of those those early mm. early ways of identifying talent, mm. of what, how you might develop talent, how you might invest in talent, yeah. um, and just keep trying it yeah. and and seeing seeing how you go. 
And I guess coupled with that, we have got job seekers, if I use that generic term, who know where to look, right? They know to look on Glassdoor. They know to have a look at LinkedIn. I know of some people looking for roles at the moment who will DM ex-employees of a company and say, why did you leave? What do I need to know about? So, so if you want, we're getting a more intelligent applicant coming into the frame as well, right? So something about how do you get advocacy that appeals to people, I guess is something you're thinking about anyway for volunteering and for your um, payroll employees. So, so I guess that's, that's really crucial. Um, and in fact, this podcast is called Tomorrow's People. That's the name of it. So like if you could wave a bit of a magic wand and kind of go, well, tomorrow, what I want for people and what I'd love to leverage and see happen. I mean, is there anything else that's like on your wish list? And, and, and you're gunning for? I think the main thing for me is around um, organisations really getting behind people yeah. and having that human approach right. to people, thinking that actually um, we, need to, we need to think of, of people as people, as humans, yeah. as different, and, yeah. it, and you can't have one size fits all. Yeah. I'm, that's, that's for me where I'm, I'm sort of placing all my focus, okay. I think. And really establishing that kind of people experience yeah, focus. Yeah. I think when you start to think about the work experience like yeah. that, you start to recognize that you're not going to have that silver bullet, actually. No. That things are going to evolve and they're evolving at pace and yeah. you've got to respond and yeah. adapt to that. That you're always going to be in that state of learning. I think then you'll start to get into the flow a little bit more yeah. and be a bit more relaxed about it. And yeah. um, hopefully we'll start to see some su success. Yeah. Um, but that takes, as I yeah. said right at the start, HR being quite yeah, brave, sure. uh, influencing, yeah. shaping that agenda, yeah. Yeah. Um, and thinking differently and yeah. stepping into those brave spaces. So, mm. yeah, I, I think mm. quite a willy answer there. But I no, think no, for me, it's 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 very much about really changing the nature yeah. of work and bringing that that human approach yeah. to it, and yeah. and. And enabling the, the right environment for people to thrive. I guess I'd sum that up as a kind of people centricity yeah. approach. And I do see it a lot. And, and let's just say there are some people who are people centric. And then there are some people who are perhaps faking a little bit of people centricity. Um, I've been looking into a concept called futures thinking, which is why I asked that question. Um, and I've even caught myself saying that I think I do live in the future because I sort of want it to happen so much that I kind of make it a little bit real. I'm going off on a bit of a weird tangent now. Um, but futures thinking has a really interesting way of looking at things with three elements to it. You've talked about one in particular, which is the push from the present, mm. which is those demands and expectations and immediate challenges that somehow just kind of hold you back a bit from the pull of the future. But that's what you've just described. Now, the other element of that is actually the weight of history. Mm. And I find that really interesting because weight you could discern as, you know, like lead boots or tethered or anchored or something, but it could be stabilizing, very nice and comfortable and sure-footed. So it doesn't have to be an inhibitor. Um, have you ever seen the weight of the history like really help you and or hinder you? in the work you've been doing around engagement and where you are now and change. I'll, I'll go back to, to rail actually, mm. an example, I think, and, and the, the focus on trying to improve employee engagement at the time, yeah. I think what was, what was the weight of the history? Mm. There was a, a long, you know, long history of public sector, mm -hmm. you know, British rail, yep. people, lots of long service, yep. people really 
remembering the heyday of British mm. Rail um, and still sort of wanting to be back in that place and that really stopping people from recognizing where they are mm. in the, the present mm. uh, and thinking about what that could mean for their future so mm. that was that was a real good example of like being anchored back mm. I think what I sort of tried to do in that situation was recognize that and acknowledge mm. it and, mm. and not skirt around it and not no. try and connect them with something no. that didn't really mean anything sure. to them it, again it came back to let's just connect to you yeah, as yeah. a person yeah, as an yeah. individual yeah you know there's going to be things that motivate you that yeah. you you know you you might want to see in the workplace let's just talk about that yeah. and that kind of mm. helped to to unlock that a little bit yeah um i think where i'm at now at the children's society we're very very bold and ambitious mm. and we're really looking to the future we've got a really um, you know, important goal around improving um, uh, the well-being of children and young people yeah. by 2030. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're, re we're constantly looking in that future yeah. state, yeah. but the reality yeah. of now yeah. is holding us back. Yeah. And it's the bit around how we get over that sure. is the is is what's feeling like treacle yeah, at the yeah, moment yeah, yeah. because we kind of have this circular approach to keep coming yeah. back to this but we're, we're edging yeah we're edging nice. yeah um but again it comes back to being bold and brave mm. and and trying something different mm. not you know not waiting for everything to be no. so perfect no. let's just try it yeah, let's just give enough. it a go yeah, exactly. you know the annual leave thing i think is a good yeah. example of that and i know you know you've recently talked about um unlimited, unlimited annual leave and i think yeah. i think it's such an interesting yeah. concept but yeah. people just feel so i know scared about letting yeah, go of sure. those boundaries and i think but actually just let's give that autonomy yeah. to people totally you know enough. and i think you'll be surprised by what you'll see yeah. So, yeah, so I, I've got, I think, I, you know, as we're talking and thinking, there's an interesting yeah. uh, look on, on my sort of big experiences around being anchored yeah. back and then that kind yeah. of, you know, but we want to get there in the, in the current. It is funny, isn't it, how um, the sort of adulting side of work is sometimes replaced with systems and processes <laughs> and forms and regulations. Um, I've often wondered why we don't put a cost on meetings, right? How much time you spend in meetings. Yeah, if you wanted to buy biscuits for that meeting, you'd have to fill in a form. Uh, anyway, so there's an odd thing there. Now, what you made me think about there was a couple of things, really, which is... Um, the current turbulence, shall we say, in the world, and, and, and there are a multitude of problems, job security must be very, very in people's minds, right? Will I have a job? Will it continue to sustain me economically and so on? So perhaps people might dial back a bit of ambition in that respect and sit tight and so on. Uh, I guess what I'm hearing from you, though, actually, is almost like, but that's the time where maybe you should shine and we should encourage participation. So uh, I like the fact that you've used bravery a lot because I think that's what it feels like it takes. But but I guess it's the it's the way we can hold people's like safety yeah. within all of that. Mm. And I know that's something that that you are very very sort of focused on, which is a psychologically safe environment that's inclusive and people can speak up and have a voice, as you said. If you were to give people listening to this um, some advice about just kind of do one thing that helps people feel they belong I mean is there a one thing that you really um, fall back on um apart from lots of conversations which absolutely <laughs> is right but is there I think time and space yep is really important okay you have to carve it out okay but the other thing that's connected to that is listen right okay right okay so if you create the time and space yeah. to to hear and yeah. to, to what really hear, yeah. don't just yeah. 
tick yeah. box it. Yeah, yeah. Listen to it and then act on it. Yeah. So there's actually, there's, there's about four things there. There's about four it? things, but yeah, I yeah. get what you mean. <laughs> the whole process of listening. I think so. Yeah. I think um, yeah. having a voice, uh, in my experience, I've really noticed and I call it having a voice. I yeah. think it's so incredibly important. Yeah. And, you know, if I think back to my, the, the change that we went through last yep. year, yep. you know, again, like I said, in a virtual environment, yeah. who wants to do change in a virtual I environment? Um, but the important thing about that was, was just creating time yep. and space yep. to have a voice and to enable people yep. to make their own, to own it and to yep. make their own decisions yep. and have that autonomy. Yep. And that worked. Yep. Um, but you can't just leave it there. You have to keep no. coming back to yeah, it. Sure. So. Yeah, I think yeah. something about time, space, sure. truly listen. And there is a cause and effect to that. And there, as you say, there's a trail. And I suppose what we would hope to see is that if we embark on that and declare it and really, really show people it's a safe space and it makes a difference, our reaction to that should encourage more participation. And I know there are some uh, people out there who are researching the concept of employee activism. Yeah. And they don't mean rebellion. They mean participation and almost the opposite of apathy and the quiet quitting that we're hearing. Uh, so, Michelle, we're, we're just about to um, sort of wrap up, really. And I guess one of the things I wanted to do was just reflect on a few of the key things you, you pulled out and then perhaps leave you with the final word. I think we have to be really, really mindful of the pace of the world at, at now. Now, some people might say, well, yeah, it's always been difficult. And I mean, like now it's kind of doubled uh, and, and that, that's something to bear in mind. And, and within that is a bit of a duty of self-care too, right? Like you said, so this time and space is also for you and us and people looking after people. Um, the pressure is obviously another thing. And there is something about how we recognize that pressure, react to it, um, but also use our learning muscle in those areas, right? And then the priorities. I love this piece in particular, actually, because um, I picked up something on LinkedIn only yesterday and it said, if you've got any more than three things on your priority list, then you haven't got any priorities because it can't be that everything is a priority. I kind of think it should be singular, but that's perhaps a bit idealistic. And then I think the thing I really, really loved about this is the bravery point that you talked to there. I think there are probably a lot of people in the workspace who feel the opposite of brave and just getting by is enough for now. But I think some boldness is the response to some of these challenges. And, and that comes with the duty of care and participation. So I'm really pleased you got a framework because one of the things I like to know is that it's not just some hooky idea copied from Silicon Valley or whatever, right? But it's stabilizing and I know where I can find myself. So yeah, anything else you want to add at the end of that? I think no. I think you've summed it up really nicely. But I, what I would say is is definitely that it's it's keep it simple. So right. the framework that I work to is simple. It's yeah. not overcomplicated. Yeah. It means something. Yeah. Um, it's tangible. All of nice. those good things in HR that we always say yeah. we need. Um, but it is. It comes back to that yeah. human centered approach yeah. and okay. looking at the whole system. Right. You you just can't just focus on one area yeah. you've got to think about how it impacts yeah. everything else nice. so yeah people experience okay me. well thank you michelle uh, thank you uh, audience here today and thank you those who are going to be listening to it later on repeat and sharing it with their family and friends i'm sure um uh, so uh yeah i guess uh we can show that we're live again with a bit of appreciation for michelle uh, and her words and thank you uh, everybody for listening in to us thanks very much